Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics and Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 99. So my friends, this week I am tackling the second volume of the original Star Wars manga. Yes, that is Edge of Balance Volume 2. And so before we hit episode 100, we are finishing off pretty much all of the High Republic content. I will aim to release my Mission to Disaster book review next week, and that will mean that I have covered 100% of all Star Wars High Republic Phase 1 content, aside from Midnight Horizon, which I have not yet read. So I'll be tackling that once I finish reading that, Uh, and then we'll get on to all the other stuff. But I'll tell you what's coming up at the end of the episode like I usually do, so let's delve into Edge of Balance. So it is published by Viz Media, much like Volume 1 was, and it takes place in the third wave of the first phase of the High Republic, so it's set somewhere between 231 and 230 years before the Battle of Yavin, so yeah, tail end of the first phase of the High Republic. The digital ebook of Volume 2 Edge of Balance was released February 22nd, 2022, and the physical paperback wasn't released until May 24th, 2022. The writers for this is Shima Shinya, just like Volume 1. However, instead of Justina Ireland, for Volume 2 we've got Daniel Jose Older, who obviously wrote the High Republic Adventures comics, as well as Race to Crash Point Tower and Midnight Horizon. And the artist for Volume 2 is the same as the artist for Volume 1, which is Mizuki Sakakiribara. And if you are new to Star Wars Comics and Canon, hello there. Make sure you go back and listen to episode 98 so you can listen to my whole episode on volume one. But also I'm going to go through the plot details, giving you brief overviews of the plot. So it will be spoiler territory. However, you should be able to still read the book and get certain things out of it because I don't just repeat all the dialogue and there are certain minor side of things that I don't always include. However, what I do include is connections to other content. So there are characters that pop up in this that pop up a lot of them in other Daniel Jose older content. So I'll talk about some of those. I also give information on certain species and characters that pop up and planets, those sorts of things. So this is a good way for your understanding of the Star Wars canon as a whole to expand, as well as understanding what goes on in this novel itself so that you don't have to consume 100% of all High Republic content because that is what I am here for. So with that all in mind, let's delve into things. So here is the crawl. The tragic events of the Republic Fair have galvanised the galaxy. The Jedi and the Republic have gone on the offensive to stop the marauding Nile. With these vicious raiders all but defeated, Jedi Master Avar Chris has set her sights on Lorna D, the supposed Eye of the Nile, and has undertaken a mission to capture her once and for all. But unbeknownst to the Jedi, the true leader of the Nile, the insidious Marquion Roe, is about to launch an attack on the Jedi and the Republic on a scale not seen in centuries. If he succeeds, the Nile will be triumphant and the light of the Jedi will go dark. Only the brave Jedi Knights of Starlight Beacon stand in his way, but even they may not be enough against Roe and the ancient enemy that's about to be unleashed. 
So as the crawl tells you, this takes place after the Rising Storm, after the High Republic Adventures comics, and around the time the High Republic Marvel comics are released. So this is another time where I will say this is going to be spoiler warning, not just for the Edge of Balance, but there's also a big event that occurs in the third adult book, which is The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray, which I have done a book review of that a few weeks ago. So either check that out on this very feed if you're listening on uh, Comics in Motion on a podcast app, or if you're on YouTube, just go into either the High Republic public or the book review playlist and you will find it in there. But in short, there's a big event that happens in Wave 3 of the High Republic. Judging by that crawl and by really any of the other High Republic content, including some of the covers of comics and Trail of Shadows, etc., you should probably know what happens by now, but just in case you want to go to the Fallen Star or any other Phase 1 Wave 3 High Republic content without knowing anything else, this is your warning. But without further ado, let's get into the story. So this volume of comics, much like the first volume, surrounds primarily the same characters. You've got Lily Tora Asi, you've got her Padawan Kieran, you've got the two younglings, Vivnia and Nima, and you've got a few other characters like the Doctor and Ruru, but Arkov isn't really in it and Stellan Geos isn't really in it much either. So it does much more focus on Lily and her struggles and obviously the planet Banshee from the first volume. But the intro to this actually takes place in the Niles Great Hall in No Space. You've got Marky on row there and he's gathering some troops. He's talking to a variety of people, but one person who sticks out is Crix Camarant. Now, Crix is from Daniel Jose Older's The High Republic Adventures comics. So if you want to check those out, please do. They're by IDW Publishing and they are really, really cool. But if you're finding it hard to get them or anything like that, or you just want to hear me talk about them, which obviously I'm always happy to do, um, check out episodes 86, 90 and 93, where I cover all the High Republic Adventures comics. And if you want to find out a bit more about Markeon Rowe, I speak about his comics, The Eye of the Storm, in episode 94 of Styles Comics and Canon. And that's a great way to get used to the character. But once again, there are spoilers for phase one, wave three of the High Republic. So in No Space, with Markeon Rowe talking to the Nile, they basically say that they want to destroy all of the Jedi temples they can, including Banshee. But Rowe wants an item from there before they destroy it completely. So on Banshee, you've got Lily who is talking to Dr. Selar. They've run some tests and things on the people killed by the Drengir who were turned into wood, and it confirms that the Drengir evolved to the planet. So when the Drengir landed, they took some of the elements from Banshee, and that's why they were slightly different to the Eckert's standard Drengir, and that's why some people turned to wood, because the Drengir kind of got new powers almost, but, you know, that's just to kind of wrap up Volume 1, because they don't pop up again. The Doctor then notes that he's trying to keep himself busy after Lily asks him how he's doing, because he's trying to keep his mind off the horrible things in the attack. Later on, it shows that Lily's Padawan Kieran is helping Nima and Vivnia, the younglings, with some meditation. Lily is getting the villagers to build some bunkers just in case the Nile attack. Lily is trying to be prepared. Now, it's also worth noting here that Nima's full name is Nima Alice, in case you wanted to know that. And the little droid that doesn't really appear very much in this volume, but was in volume one, is called DD1A. It's a cute little droid. I described it all in volume one, so I just thought I'd let yourself know that, because in the back of Edge of Balance volume two, it's got a gallery and some concept art and things of these characters. And then it also gives a lot of the characters full names. So there you go. So while Lily is trying to get these villagers to build the bunkers, some of them are a little bit resistant because they said they'd rather repair their farms than have to build bunkers and things. Lily then notices that Kieran and the younglings are getting distracted. So she goes over there and scolds Kieran a little bit and it's confirmed that they're distracted by the Bansheeans, those little bird people that are in the bonus chapter of volume one. 
Kieran says that they were just following Lily's instructions, try and build connections with the natives and things like that. And Lily retorts and says that that was before the attack. And then Kieran notes that Lily is always looking quite concerned and seems to be shielding him from things and is not maybe the best thing for them. There's a little bit of back and forth further, but then later on, when the group of the Jedi and Jedi Initiates, as well as the villagers, are doing a bit more work and things, a Vector ship lands. Now, if anyone's consumed any other High Republic content, you'll know that Vectors, they are basically like really, really stripped down versions of Jedi Starfighters, really, really stripped down versions of X-Wings. They don't have any shields or anything, but they're meant to be used by a Force user, Jedi specifically. You put a lightsaber in there, it powers up its weapons and makes it all function and things. And it's just the, the common ship of the Jedi in this era. And they do look a little bit like X-Wings. I think they're actually created using old concept art from X-Wings. So that was quite cool. But a familiar Jedi pops out of the Vector and it is Sav Maligan. Now, Sav Maligan is a female Gyozo Jedi. So same species as Embo, who is a bounty hunter of the Skywalker Saga. Gyozo, they have these special hats that also serve as shields and weapons. And Sav was especially in volumes two and three of the High Republic Adventures comics. So episodes 1993 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. And Sav also has two purple lightsabers. But she is quite old and quite wise, but uh, she is an acquired taste, if we put it that way. So Lily, Kieran and the rest of them haven't actually met Sav before, so she introduces herself, and then after a few dialogue exchanges, Lily starts getting a little bit agitated by Sav, because Sav is preventing the villagers continuing with their building work of their bunkers and things. Sav says that they're going to need a fortress, the bunkers just won't be enough for Niall if they're going to attack. Lily protests, and they have a little bit of a debate, but Sav is very firm, saying that no one is going to be alive to fight or farm or anything if they are not really ready. But equally, you can only prepare so much, so doing these bunkers and things aren't actually going to be enough. Sav then opens up this case that she brought along, and it's filled with guns and weapons for the farmers. She then asks Lily has she interviewed the farmers to try and work out if one of them was a Nile informant or anything like that. And Lily says that she hasn't actually interviewed the villagers one-on-one. And Sav says that I think you probably should because it's almost certain that a Nile is among them. And while this conversation is going on, you see one of the villagers who's called Mr. Zarat, his like slight reaction faces, and it was confirmed at the end of volume one that Mr. Zarat was the Nile informant. He also sees Zarat doing a couple of odd things, and then there is an explosion. One of the bunkers blows up. Fortunately, no one is injured with any major injuries. Everyone's just a bit shaken up, in a sense. And Zarat says that his ears are ringing, so he goes to the infirmary. Lily and the rest of them then find four thermal detonators, and they're unsure if the Nile plan failed, or where they came from, or if this is part of the plan. So they then decide they're going to restrict travel in and out of Banshee so they can keep a closer eye on things. Lily then tries to contact Master Arkov, who is the Wookiee Jedi Master from Volume 1, but the comm system doesn't seem to be working. So Sav Maligan recommends that Lily goes to Starlight Beacon and takes the younglings with her because it'll be a good break for them, it'll be good for them to see things outside of Banshee. So they get prepared to leave and Lily leaves Kieran with Ruru and Sav, the two Jedi on Banshee now. She says to Kieran to keep an eye on Sav, ensure that she doesn't push things too far. And then Lily goes over to Sav and thanks her for being involved in keeping an eye on things. And Sav says to Lily, try to be less rigid. Don't be like stone, be like water. Which I think is a really nice message, not just to Lily, but anyone who reads this and things, you know, being rigid in your ideology for certain elements, you know, things that what right and wrong are, that's normally quite good to be rigid. But when it comes to the slightly less important things or the how you go about doing things and how you treat other people, 
that sort of thing, it is better to, you know, be like water. I like it because that's how certain Jedi view the Force as well. You know, I've said numerous times before on this podcast, one of my favorite things about the High Republic is that you get so many Jedi different interpretations of the Force. You get Avar Chris, who sees it like a song, like music. You see Elzar Man, who's probably my favorite High Republic character, and he sees things like water. You see other characters who see things like fire. You see Ram Jomaram, who sees it like gears and mechanical. Everyone perceives the Force in different ways. I know that Wookiees often see the Force in a, like, forest and trees and whatnot. I think that might be how Buryaga sees it. But I really, really like that interpretation. And the water viewpoint kind of goes into Elzar Man's viewpoint on the Force. And obviously, as I said, he's one of my favorites. So any even very vague indirect reference, it makes me happy. So then shows on Starlight Beacon, Lily, Vivnia, and Nima all arrive, and the Great Rumble Race is underway. Now that's in issue 11 of the High Republic Adventures comics, which I tackled in the third volume of the High Republic Adventures comics, which was in episode 93 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. And it's a really, really fun issue. You know, Daniel Jose Older does a great job of putting fun in Star Wars. Not that other authors and people involved aren't fun, but I've got a theory of the five kind of main architects of the High Republic all have like a slightly different thing to bring to it. I kind of think like Charles Saul is world building. Kevin Scott is kind of the horror. Daniel Jose Old is kind of the wonder and the childish humor of things. Justina Ireland is saying things that make you think afterwards and have a lot of social commentary. And then Claudia Gray's got a lot of the humor in it. Now they all do almost everything like really, really well. You know, they do characters excellent and they do storylines really well. But obviously each author does have slightly better strengths than their other authors. And that's just something that I think of when I think of the five of them and especially Daniel Jose Older. But yeah, the Rumble Race, it's a lot of fun. It's a really good issue to read. I do recommend people pick it up. But it's really nice seeing different perspectives because you see it in the Trail of Shadows, which is also by Daniel Jose Older. You see it in the High Republic Adventures comics and you see it in this. So clearly he really likes the race idea. So it's just a bunch of Jedi, primarily Padawans, but other Jedi get involved and they race around Starlight Beacon and the winner gets some tasty treats that Torben Buck slash Buckets of Blood made. It's really, really cool. And if you want to see how that all kind of unfolds, yeah, either pick up issue 11 or check out my episode. So Lily lets Vivnia and Nima have a run around so that they can try and find Arkov more easily because that's who they're trying to speak with, Arkov and Stella Geos, but also to kind of let them unwind and have a bit of fun. So they then do find Arkov and Stella Geos, and then Lily tells Vivni and Ema, like, you can go finish the race, have a bit of fun, I'm going to talk to Arkov and Stella Geos. So then there are numerous pages of the conversation between Stella and Arkov and Lily. I'm not going to read it verbatim or even read specific parts of it, but just in general, they talk about Banshee, they talk about the Nile and how they're being very well organized, and it's quite likely there's going to be another attack, and Arkov confirms he's still going to stay at Starlight Beacon. Stella then muses that Sav and Lily have probably been clashing a little bit, which obviously is true. And then Stella and Arkov agree with Sav that Lily needs to be more flexible, more like water. But she also needs to be much more confident in her actions and not question herself so much. Go on instinct, go on things like that. So it's a nice, well-rounded conversation. Obviously, Lily does then tell them about what's going on on Banshee and those sorts of things. And they generally just keep each other up to date. After that conversation, Lily then leaves and actually sees Lula, Talisola, and Zine Morala. 
Now, these two characters are from the High Republic Adventures. Zine Morale is a Mickeyan, so she has head tendrils and things. She has bright pink skin, and she's on lots of the covers of the High Republic Adventures. She's a really, really cool character. Lula Talasola, however, is a human, and both of them do feature in the Race to Crash Point Tower book as well. I know that Daniel Jose Order is very fond of both of these characters, and he should be. They are really, really cool. So Lily has a conversation with the two of them. From the way they're talking with each other, it seems like they knew each other from the start starlight dedication ceremony which is shown in the first issue of the high republic comics by marvel written by kevin scott after that they didn't really see each other very much because obviously they went off on their own adventures and whatnot but they have a little conversation about what's going on a little catch up and things and then they part ways after discussing sav after Lily has left, Lula Talasola and Zine Morala then are worried about the comm system being down. They share some concerned faces and then it cuts back to Lily. So Lily leaves with the younglings and then is told by Stella and Geos just before they leave that Hontalos has been attacked by the Nile. And Hontalos is in the same system as Banshee, so it's quite urgent that they get back. So back on Banshee, you've got Ruru and Kieran investigating things, trying to work out why their comm system isn't working, and they find some wires that have been cut, clearly showing they have been sabotaged. Sav Maligan is on the roof, kind of scouting the area, taking a look around, and then notices that there are some Nile ships approaching. Kieran then goes up to the roof to meet her, and Sav says, you need to go and protect others, that needs to be your number one priority. It then shows that Lily and the younglings on their ship are nearing the planet. They see some of the Nile ships entering the planet too, and then she flies her ship past them, trying to zoom past all of these Nile ships. She's not in a vector, she's in some sort of transport that doesn't really have any weapons and very much shielding, takes a couple of hits, and then needs to crash land. So while this is going on, Kieran is defending against the Nile with Sav, all while Ruru is helping the injured. Lily then appears, but as she gets to the kind of fray of the battle, she can't find the younglings. They seem to have gone. So she says to Kieran, you go find the younglings. I'm going to stay here and help Sav and whatnot. It then shows that the younglings are once again talking to the Bancheans, those small bird-like people. And the Bancheans are trying to warn the younglings because the Nile nearby are putting together a cannon in which they are aiming at the temple. Sav Maligan then shows up shortly after and then tells the younglings to go and get Lily. She's then waiting in the bushes with Kieran and Kieran is saying, I want to go out there and stop them. Sav says, no, you shouldn't. We need to wait. Patience is key. Just hold on until Lily gets here and we can figure something out. Kieran then runs out into the open and grabs one of the Nile, holding him hostage with the lightsaber to their throat. He says for everyone to surrender or he's going to kill this Nile. Nearby, a Nile has a hostage of their own. That's Mr. Zaret, who is the individual who's been in both volumes that I've mentioned prior, but he is secretly a Nile, as you may recall me mentioning. So Mr. Zaret's there, being hostage, and obviously Kieran doesn't realise he's a Nile. So the Nile says, if you don't put your weapon down, I will kill Mr. Zaret. And Kieran hesitates, and then the Nile pushes the gun right into the head of Mr. Zaret, and so Kieran extinguishes his lightsaber. Sarah then walks towards Kieran, thanking him, saying that he's so kind and whatnot. Then he has a bit of a suspicious look on his face, and then he pulls out a blaster, aiming it at Kieran from point-blank range. You then see a shot of the forest, and you hear a blaster sound. You then see Lily's face, and she notices that something is amiss. So, she senses what has happened, runs straight over to the area, and then finds Sav Maligan crouched with some bodies of Nile all around her. Sav is holding the body of Kieran. He was shot in point-blank range and it killed him. After some amount of grieving, Lily and Sav then discuss their options. Lily wants to run, but Sav wants to stay so they can prevent this happening to anyone else. 
There is then an explosion at the temple, and Sav notes that the Nile are likely to be looking for something, otherwise they would have destroyed the whole temple immediately. So Lily then goes to the temple, helps a couple of people evacuate, and says that she will stay to protect the archives. Sav then manages to find those Nile who had the cannon, kills them quite quickly and easily, and then uses the cannon to shoot the temple. She then comes to Lily, who is now flying her vector, and she flies the vector and then shoots the temple even more so, and the temple then collapses, because it is confirmed that they've decided that whatever it is that the Nile are trying to look for, clearly it's so valuable, it's probably just worth destroying it so the Nile can't get their hands on it and cause any further destruction or chaos. So after the temple has collapsed, the locals then gather, and Lily speaks to Kieran's body. Then after some talking among the main Jedi of this volume, Sav confirms to everyone else the reason that they blew up the temple, as I already mentioned, which was because the Nile were trying to look for something. Then everything on the planet of Banshee seems a bit calmer after all of that chaos, but then the Jedi Council communicate to Sav, confirming that all Jedi must return to Coruscant. Now this is the spoiler for the third wave of the first phase of the High Republic, as mentioned it's in the Fallen Star, in Trail of Shadows, in the High Republic comics and things, and as mentioned elsewhere, but this is your spoiler warning. So the Jedi then continue to say that they need all the Jedi to come back to Coruscant because Starlight Beacon has fallen, and they need to reevaluate what their role is in the universe. Now the three Jedi Masters that are in the Holocom are actually ones that we've seen two of them before and one of them is new. So you've got Soleil Agra, who is a Nautilan. Now you'll know who Nautilans are because of Kit Fisto, who is one of the Nautilans. So they can breathe underwater or on air. They have tentacles. And also in the Bounty Hunters comics, uh, Bela Valance has got like a mentor and she is also a Nautilan as well. So sort of an aquatic being. The next Jedi is Master Pratri Vita. Now he is a Tarnab and you get to see him in the High Republic comic number one and briefly is mentioned in The Rising Storm and is also briefly in a flashback of the Eye of the Storm. But yeah, his species is a Tarnab. Now there was a Tarnab in the Trail of Shadows. It was one of the antagonists of that series, but they are quite hairy beings. They're kind of hard to explain, but check out the episode if you want to. But Grandmaster Pratri Vita is one of three Grandmasters. It's him, Yoda, and then another person called Laru. Now, Laru is this third person in this hologram, and he's actually mentioned in The Light of the Jedi and in the High Republic comics number three. He is an Anx, which is the name of the species. So you do see them briefly in The Phantom Menace and a few other Clone Wars episodes and whatnot, and then they're briefly in episode three of Enter the Sith as well. They have these really tall log heads so they're from the planet called gravelex med and it's a high gravity world which is actually first mentioned in legends in darth plagueis now the anks are tall reptilian beings with large tails and their head are big long and crested which can come in different colors depending on what their mood is so Soleil we haven't seen before and Laru and Pratri Vita we have actually seen in other high republic content but those are the three masters that were in that communication So after the comm has finished, then Sav and Lily kind of discuss what to do next. Sav says that she's going to stay and hunt the Nile. That's what she wants to do. And in doing that, she also really wants to help people across the galaxy that have been wronged by them. And Lily says that she wants to stay on Banshee. She wants to make sure everyone's okay and kind of finish what she started. So Ruru has said that she'll go with the younglings to Coruscant. And then the final panels of this volume show that Mark and Roe is on Banshee at the ruins of the temple looking for something. And that is where Edge of Balance Volume 2 ends.
So obviously towards the end there, I did skip over quite a few bits and pieces. There's a lot of dialogue, you know, about mourning Kieran, about how Lily says she's going to do better, what she's going to learn from this, those sort of things. But I thought those are the general overview of the storylines and stuff. If you want more details, I would hugely recommend picking up either the digital or the physical copy of Edge of Balance, both volume one and two. They're both really, really good reads. So what else is going on in my world? Well, uh, I've just finished doing a recording of the Kenobi discussion show. So myself, Megan, and also Chris Phelps have all weighed in and given our thoughts on the finale of Kenobi, as well as our thoughts on the series as a whole. So if you're listening on a podcast app, that will be on the same feed as Comics in Motion. So the same feed as this episode is airing. So I think it should have been released like the day before this episode comes out. So you should be able to see that quite easily. And if you're listening on YouTube, it will be on my YouTube channel channel i believe that there will be video as well so that's a lot of fun and so you can see our lovely faces talking about kenobi in addition to that i've got an episode coming out next week which should be the mission to disaster book review so that is the final junior novel in the first phase of the high republic and then after that i'll only have midnight horizon to do which is daniel jose oldest young adult book And then once I've done the review of that, that'll be all of the phase one High Republic content, apart from the Starlight Beacon stories, which could only be found in Star Wars Insider, but they're releasing them as a collection in sort of October time. So when that comes out, I will undoubtedly tackle that as well as phase two. Then after that book review, it will be episode 100 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. So that will be myself and Ben of Star Wars Timeline taking questions from you lovely audience members about Star Wars as a whole and anything else yourselves really want to ask us. I am going to post on social media about that, but please email genuinechitchat at outlook.com or Star Wars Comics in Canon at outlook.com or comicsinmotionp at gmail.com to submit your questions. And please in there mention either your full name or your Twitter handle or however you want us to address address you when you send your questions over obviously if you do it on social media we will just read out your social media handle unless you specifically don't want us to do so in addition to that, I recently had a conversation with Claudia of Rue Palps Pod Race, which is an LGBTQ plus Star Wars podcast. Me and Claudia had a great conversation. It was over two hours long. We could have spoken for even longer than we did, but it was just a really, really entertaining conversation. So part one of that should be released on the feed of Genuine Chit Chat uh, the day after this episode drops on this feed. So it should be on Sunday. That'll be released in two parts and then I should upload the video version to my YouTube channel as well. Obviously, please make sure you go over and subscribe to myself on YouTube because you can listen to the wide variety of Star Wars content I've got. You can listen to the conversations I've had that are around Star Wars or you can listen to all the conversations I've had which have got nothing to do with Star Wars at all. So really, whatever you fancy, I'm sure you'll find something you enjoy on the YouTube channel of Genuine Chit Chat. In addition to that, my friends, you can support Comics in Motion, this show, and Genuine Chit Chat by rating and reviewing. So you can rate out of five stars on Spotify. Uh, you can also give reviews on Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, and lots of other places. Almost anywhere you listen to podcasts, there is some sort of rating or review system. And if you could do that, it just helps out both this show and Genuine Chit Chat a huge, huge amount. Obviously, you can also share on social media with your friends. That is massively helpful too. Or if you want to support the show even further and get loads of bonus content, you can go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. If you go over there for as little as £1 a month, you get access to exclusive content on there, including some of the Legends book reviews I've done and a few canon ones that I haven't released anywhere else. You get myself and Megan reviewing TV shows and movies and live performances and a few other things like that. We just recorded some information on our trip when we got back from the Isle of Wight. So that was really fun. We got to be zookeepers for a day. So if you want to hear about that, you know, go over there. 
In addition to that, you get early access to Genuine Chit Chat episodes. So in part one and part two drop separately, you know, a week aside from each other. On the Patreon feed, you get access to the full unsplit episode when part one drops. And then you get a bonus episode of Afterthoughts when part two drops on the normal feed. But I think that's going to be enough from me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the very end. I'll be back next week with the book review of Mission to Disaster. And as always, may the force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.